We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. I'm Blair Andrews with my co-host, as always, Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? You know, living the dream. We've got a fantastic guest. He was just about to tell us exactly what he was writing before the intro kicked off. Chris, <laughs> I interrupted him. what's going on, man? Welcome welcome to the repo. We're really excited to have you on. Thank you so much. No, man, I appreciate y'all having me on, fellas. I mean, it's been it's been way too long since we've been able to catch up. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I do the waiver report over Fantasy Life every week. And now that we've gotten into the playoffs, it's really not at, like, well, you know, I mean, y'all know, I mean, waivers are still an important part of just like every our every week duties as fantasy football managers. But once you get into the playoffs, I mean, unless there's uh, like a, a massive revelation in terms of like injuries or whatever, uh, and I know we're, we might talk about it, but like you know, Chase Brown becomes, you know, guys like Chase Brown become interesting. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, th- those types of plays where it's like, oh, okay, I can see like at the very least blocking my opponents from having somebody like them on their roster. But it's not like back in like week two, week three, where it's just like we're spending our fab money on anybody we can in order to get like good players on our roster. So, no, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. And like, especially on a, I, you caught me on a good day. I mean, uh, if the Bengals had lost, I might have been a little bit more, uh, you know, downtrodden, but uh, it's, it's not not a bad day to, to be hanging out in the, the southwest part of Ohio. They put the beat down, man, on, on, on the Coles. Let's just jump right into it, right? Um, Jake Browning, he completed 18 of 24 passes for 275 yards, two scores, and, a, and an int in the Bengals at 34-14 thrashing of the Colts. Uh, he, Browning also had three rushes and seven yards and a score. Um, you know, so the, 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 the interception was a pick six, but I think that I put it more so on, on Tanner Hudson than I would on Browning. Um, I think the big story here, actually, as you mentioned, Chase Brown, he's won. But I really wanted to get your take initially before we discuss Chase, Chase Brown, who we're fans of. But um, really, Browning's thumb injury, right? He left. He was shaking his thumb out. He struggled mm-hmm. to hold the ball, um, right? He returned to the game for just sort of a like a short while before he left, um, and uh, you know, closed things out in the short in the, in the fourth quarter, right? So I wanted to get your take on on, on a handful of things. One. So Jake Browning, is he a viable court, like streamer, streamer quarterback uh, for the rest of the season here? 
and you know just sort of two uh are do you like where do you expect like any negative issues happening with this time and actually you know what I'll, I'll throw in chase brown here and three why isn't why why did the bengals take so long to put chase brown in and give him this much work so I think from a schematic standpoint, I think what the Bengals coaches have done, and I've been critical about just like Zach Taylor, uh, Brian Callahan, like just most of the Bengals coaching staff, like for probably like the past couple of seasons where it just feels like unless Joe Burrow is out there doing just Joe Burrow things, like the offense like feels fragile. Uh, and we, like we've seen that pop up like over like over the last season or so where it's not uh, at, like especially during the weeks when, like when T was down it would just and uh, like even the first four weeks when it was Joe Burrow on the calf injury like shoot if they had done as much planning as they had in order to make Browning look as comfortable as he had in this offense compared to like in the first four weeks. I mean, this this run that they're on right now, still with the chances for playoffs, it might look a little bit better. But either way, I think for for Browning specifically, the fact that they've incorporated like um, like a few more like RPOs, I think uh, using our uh, the utilization tool, Dwayne McFarlane over at Fantasy Life right now, like the utilization tool that they have there that allows you to look at not just not just the dropback over expectation rate for every single game, but also the schematic portion of each offense, like how often they're running RPOs, trick plays personnel groupings and all that we've seen an uptick in rpo rate like over the past couple of weeks with browning in there so just allowing him to like move out of the pocket uh work and work through play action uh especially also like having t higgins back over the past couple weeks that's just made the offense easier more comfortable for him and also uh like the the rushing portion i mean joe burrow like once he got a bit more healthy we saw that Mm -hmm. rushing component that scrambling component which has been so like much like an underrated part of his game uh, Browning has that too. Uh, and with the offensive line, at least coming into form finally after three months, you know, three months into the season, we see Browning actually get out there and do something. So I think, you know, for the next like few weeks, especially since the Bengals, uh, like they'll be in these, in, uh, like, I think almost all of their remaining games, at least for fantasy purposes will be against backup quarterbacks. So yeah. there's, there's definitely a chance that we could see just a similar matchup to what we saw, what, to what we saw today. Uh, their defense is still allowing, uh, you know, multiple scores per game. I know, like one of the scores, like was on was on a pick six, so like I get that. Yeah. Uh, but like teams are still moving the ball relatively well against them, so I could see Browning still being like one of those. Like if you lost Justin Herbert, you know, like like from today, and you might still have a shot at the playoffs. Picking up Browning and playing him throughout the playoffs, I think, isn't the worst of ideas. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm actually gonna lose in one Superflex playoff. Uh, I was in the play in, I guess. Um, and my quarterbacks in the Superflex Dynasty League are Rumroll, please, Justin Herbert and Geno Smith. Oh Ooh. god. <laughs> uh I would have been better off playing Zach Wilson with my right. third quarterback, but I, I, I didn't bring him up for obvious reasons. Um and I'm gonna get <laughs> absolutely I, I'm getting just the brakes beaten off me. This is I'm actually gonna like I might actually ask the commissioner if he can like censure this person for um uh abuse against me this is like not even fair <laughs> i think that's a fair request when we were when we were slated to kick off any projections had me as like a 35 point favorite and i was like all right this is good and i'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm a live 65 point dog so this is aren't those the worst cool. like when you go into the weekend mm-hmm. and you see those like pre-projections and just like oh yeah i got this look at all Look at all the players that I've got. Look at all these matchups. Everything looks great. And then you just like watch the games and you just see like your score just never. It's yeah. just like just inching forward versus the booms that you thought you were going to have. It's tough. Yeah. 
it's uh, yeah, but I wanted to stick with the Bengals for a little bit. I wanted to get your take because, like, I think I think um, uh, you you might have mentioned this earlier, but like a big part of this like offense with the RPOs, but also I think the implement like they implemented a lot of the screen game in here, right? Um, uh, yeah, historical anomalies also beat me beat me to the. That's actually the question that I had for you. I was trying to lead up mm-hmm. to that. They've they've incorporated the screen game quite a bit with Browning under center, obviously to make some layup throws. Um, so I so I wanted like, do you think this is going to be a part of the offense going forward? Because I mean, like it like they they got so much going with Jamar Chase last week, right? And then we're still yet to really get Primo T Higgins at least. So like my my question is like, do you think the pink the Bengals will let Higgins go? Like like what happens there? Because this is such a ridiculously good wide receiver core. So I was curious what your take was. Uh, my, my initial lean is that it's a, it's, it's a tag with the, with the potential trade and like they see what they can do from, from that standpoint. I, I do think that with the way that the season was going before Burrow got hurt and with the fact that they do have at least a, uh, from a cap space standpoint, like I know like paying, what is what of the tag be like 15 million? I think something along those lines, mm-hmm. if, if memory serves. Uh, I know paying a wide receiver at this like for 15 million in order to do that like isn't the, the most sound way of keeping the roster together uh, given the other needs that they currently have like on on the team they could actually use like a second or a second corner safety uh, defensive line I think they could use some help like interior pass rush but I think the the core part of this offense like has been has been those like the, the primary two it's been chase and higgins yeah. and while higgins has had a down season at least from a from a fantasy standpoint yards production standpoint i know he had like back-to-back thousand yard seasons before this year but i think w- when it comes to moving the ball efficiently like if the ethos of this team has always been passed first uh i mean chase is now like i think he's widened the gap from a uh from a target share perspective but I think when it comes to moving the ball down to down, like keeping the chains moving, like Higgins is still involved in that. And I, I'm yet to see another pass catcher like on that offense that can step up and take that role. I mean, Tyler Boyd certainly hasn't done it. The uh, the tight ends, they haven't involved enough. I mean, Irv Smith, I don't know what they really expected of like signing him anyway. Uh, but like Trent Irwin has been fine. Like Yoshi has also been fine. But it's just like you will not have that same type of player that can at least win on like – uh, consistently or at least relatively consistently win in uh, in those contested catch situations out on the perimeter they don't have that right now so if this unless this offense like structurally like a foundationally changes over the next four or five weeks as they close out the season to really show that they can do this without higgins what my thought is that they they tag him uh they try and trade him over the off season but if not i mean they're still going to need somebody that can do that and unless they're Unless their plan is to draft a wide receiver in the first round next year, it, it's I'm very hard pressed to believe they just let him go without having a a solid uh, plan B in place without having Higgins on the roster. Yeah, that that makes sense, especially because where they're expected to be picking. Um, I was looking at Travis May's uh, projected mock draft, and it looked like they're basically picking in like the primary, like where you can get a tackle or an interior, like or or someone like solid for defense. Yeah, um, and, and I think that's what they—that's what they need. Yeah, like I, I know that like, people were talking about, uh, like I don't like not Marvin Harrison. There's another wide receiver coming out like next year. Uh, it, uh, it, it has a Z in his name. Adunze. Uh, Adunze. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard like light mocks to him. Uh, I do not. I don't even want to entertain the idea of them drafting Brock Bowers. Like I'm not. <laughs> we're, we're, let's let's not do that. Uh, 
But I think the 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 focus had like has to be like their their offensive line, offensive or defensive yeah. line at this point. I mean, that's because they just haven't been able to hit on free agency. Uh, I mean, like Karras and Capper are fine, but it's just you need that homegrown talent, like almost like the like the Lions with drafting like Ragnar. I mean, like you have yeah. to be able to hit on the, those like those first round draft picks that become cornerstones of your offense. And with I know Burrow's entering like his uh, the second phase of his career now with with the contract. So if this team is going to continue to move forward. The ethos again is going to be passed first. You're going to need like one of those, like the at least a, a rookie player on a rookie contract uh, to really help them move that forward. And I think that going going offensive line is probably their best bet for the first round. I want to uh, back up a little bit on on kind of the future talk. I mean, you you kind of mentioned it. If the if the Bengals can show that they can um, do something with Higgins at the end of the season, that might kind of change the calculus here, but I mean, we saw them put up 34 points today, and Chase and Higgins really didn't do much for uh, for fantasy teams at any rate. Um, I wonder if you think Browning is capable of making both Chase and Higgins, you know, kind of viable options for the fantasy playoffs. I think so, uh, because more or less, uh, like outside of like once they get into the red zone, we've seen the tight ends get worked in. Uh, but overall, like the explosives, like for Chase, I think will will always be there. Uh, Browning can like continuously looks for like if it's a man coverage, uh, like those deep shots. Like so far, I think have worked for for the most part. Um, my my only concern, it's not really a concern. It's uh, it's a concern for like Chase and Higgins is that now that they've been able to showcase uh, Chase Brown and they've been able to show that they have some versatility and speed like from the running game do they have to do they have to live in that world where once they get in instead of living in the world of third and long can they now move into third and short and that and that now opens up the playbook to guys like Tanner Hudson maybe Drew Sample to a certain degree and of course like Joe Mixon and Chase Brown as as options out of the backfield so i think to your point Blair that does change the calculus because now if they have a more dynamic run game a more efficient run game then now it's just like okay well we don't have to we don't have to rely on T and Chase you know, to to do cool stuff it takes it takes more of the pressure off of off of your quarterback, like whether it's Browning for the rest of this season or uh, or like a Burrow once we get into next year. So I do agree that if they are able to uh, to, to continue on, like continue plugging away at this this idea that you know Browning allows them to to, to put some speed, almost like you know the Keaton Mitchell esque, like mm-hmm. you know part of like how the Ravens have now built their power run game with like Gus Edwards, but then you have the speed option with Keaton Mitchell. If they can do that with Joe Mixon and Chase Brown, then yes. I mean, that that would allow them to say that, okay, well, we've got a bit more flexibility in the playbook. We've got a bit more flexibility in our personnel. So having high-priced guys, because I'm assuming the the extension talks for Chase are either going on now or will be going on in, in the next like four, five, six months. So maybe we can live in this world where as long as the guys that we currently have in our roster – Irwin, Yoshi, tight ends, whatever. And then maybe we draft a couple of guys afterwards. Maybe we can do like that. Maybe we can shift into this next phase with Burroughs contract that continue to going up. But otherwise they might just hold Pat and see like, all right, well, if we just push all our chips in and do this one more time, uh, maybe we can get over the hump and then finally, you know, win that, win that Lombardi that they tried to a couple of years ago. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> that, was, that was a really good team, man. 
I was in a bar in Cincinnati watching uh, that Super Bowl. Uh, it was that that one was tough. That that one was that was very tough uh, to to watch live. Uh, but I was just happy that they were there, watching like seeing the curse of how many I've been a Bengals fans for for over twenty years now. So I've lived through the playoff drought, lived through the you know the uh, you know from Carson Palmer to Andy Dalton to you know watching Joe Burrow. So I was happy that they got to the Super Bowl. Wish they would have come out with a W, but. I think we're Burrow under center. I think we'll get back there soon enough. Uh, yeah, don't want to spend uh, all time on the Bengals, although we could probably talk about them a lot. A lot. <laughs> I, I, it's going to hurt my heart if we do. <laughs> a lot longer. Um, I guess the maybe the big news of the week is, well, there's a lot of big news, but C.J. Stroud is one of them, uh, obviously looking like runaway rookie of the year candidate. Um, goes out of the game today with a concussion, it sounds like. Um uh, I wonder they also lost uh, Nico Collins today, too. It did. Right? Really so, early. Yeah, this is an offense that obviously has some some problems, as we saw today, losing to the Jets. Um, if it's if Stroud has to miss extended time, for instance, you know, a few weeks, what does that do to uh, this offense? Is anyone, is anyone in this offense playable without Stroud? I don't want anybody on that roster. <laughs> I mean, was anybody really like looking for fantasy value with Davis Mills under center last season? Right. No, I mean, people people were Charlie Brown rug pulled with uh, Damian Pierce. Man, he's been he's been awful. Singletary seems to have completely won that that backfield mm-hmm. work all to himself. Um, yeah, it's. It is sad, right? Like, like I guess, I guess, flipping the question a little bit, even with CJ Stroud back, right? Like, no more Tank Dell. Potentially, Nico Collins is out for a while. Like, are like is Noah Brown one of the targets in your waiver article? Is 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 what I was trying to guess? Uh, ask, mm-hmm. I guess. I yeah, I'll put like I'll have him in there. Um, I need to take a look at. I haven't looked at his uh, targets per route run like from uh, from today. Because my thought process from last week was that because it was his first game back from what the like a knee injury he had suffered like two three weeks ago, that it would take him maybe a couple of weeks to to ramp back up, and uh, and so while my expectations weren't very high, uh, I think that's going to be the the biggest thing to see if like there's any sort of all right well Davis Mills just like hitting the short area of the field maybe with better coaching I mean I'll, I'll give it to him I mean uh, all credit to to Bobby Sloak and making sure that CJ Stroud is like very comfortable in offense in his first year so I would lean more towards yeah guys like him uh, I see like yeah Mechie being like uh, being mentioned in the chat like I, I think that like he did get a couple of targets actually uh, like last week um, so I, I'd be interested like in either of those two guys but outside of that it's kind of like I'm not I don't think anybody's rushing to the waiver wire to add Robert Woods like in week in week 15. We're not we're not doing that in the year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> but like Noah Brown, John Mechie, like I, I think I, the they they move the needle for me for sure. Yeah. This has been an interesting offense to discuss also from the perspective of uh kind of their fair draft value next year in best ball drafts for instance yeah. because mm-hmm. it's someone where the receivers kind of a lot of them have had big blow up games and seem to only do it maybe when one of the guys is hurt, one of the other guys is hurt. Tank Dell looked like he was coming on and being gonna be uh, you know, kind of the wide receiver one there. Now he's hurt. Um I mean Stroud obviously gives them a dimension that that uh makes them a, a pretty explosive offense that can 
score some fantasy points. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've thought about it much yet, but how are you approaching some of these guys or how are you thinking about them going into next year? Each of them, I think Tank Dell for sure, like he's going to have to be like one of the early round like wide receivers. I mean, from a targets per route run uh, perspective, even air yards perspective, I think he was top 20 amongst all mm-hmm. wide receivers with a 10 plus target share. I mean, it's not just the the like not just he was uh like producing relative to his rookie class but he was up there like with some of like the better wide receivers from both an air yards and uh and yards per route run standpoint so i think both those guys are going to be like both him and nico i think are going to wind up being in the earlier rounds i think this is just like like stylistically i think because dell is the more of the he can play on the inside. He can win on the outside. He'll probably get the get the get the nod at least in from an ADP standpoint. He'll have like the earlier uh, the earlier draft cost. And Nico, because they'll look at his, you know, he plays more on the outside, explosives downfield. What was it like two, three catches of like thirty plus yards, like just this past week, like it, it winning on explosives. Even though Tank did them as well. Uh, like that'll be more of I could put I could see him in like the sixth seventh round like somewhere around there at least that's my general thought mm-hmm. until things get steamed up uh, like you'll see stuff about you know Stroud over the off season talking about his connection with Nico yada 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 <laughs> and I can see like both them getting steamed like into the fourth uh, at least him getting steamed in like the f- like fourth fifth round somewhere in there yeah. but yeah I think that entire offense is one that we're going to be like heavily targeting throughout the earlier parts of uh, best ball season for next year for sure. I think Evan makes a good point. He said tank size combined with the injury is going to be a massive talking point sort of suppressing his price. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think tank is going to go where Nico is going this year, right? Which is, which was what seventh round. Uh, I think, yeah. Once we got into like the back end of the, yeah. of the off season, once we get into the August, I think it started off in like the 11th, 12th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was he got, really cheap. He was really cheap. And then it was like, Oh, this actually might work. He's actually a really good receiver. So then yeah. like, he got, he got pushed up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then like Stroud's price kept falling. <laughs> he Which was going we- after young. Yeah. Which didn't make any sense. I like, can like, to, to, I think it was just the, maybe it was the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. The, I, we were, yeah, I think we and win so also, much off draft capital, like for young, almost too much off draft capital there. Yeah, like I think, uh, and then also like the questions because like it, the, the entire offense had that Davis Mills stink on it, and like it was just so bad. Yeah, there was a reason why Damian Pierce was going so early, and then uh, Nico is going where he did. Yeah, I think that's where Dank Dell is going to be, and then I think Nico goes much earlier, and then the question is where are you taking Stroud, right? Is he like a fifth round ADP quarterback? I think he'll probably be like, where, where was, where was Burrow taken like this year? Fifth, sixth round? Oh, yeah. I think uh, early fifth. So, yeah. early fifth, like four or five turn. Yeah. So I think that I could see Stroud being about there next year. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about his pass catchers being in the earlier parts of like that in that same general area, I would assume that Stroud like falls into the fourth, fifth round. So we're, we're going to put uh, still have Hertz, still have Mahomes, still have Allen there in like the second, third ish round. Uh, 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 let's see, Lamar will probably then come like shortly after that. Uh, then I'd probably say like Stroud is probably going to be at like QB five, uh, probably in like yeah, the other fourth, fifth round, like somewhere in there. Yeah. 
it's, I'm trying to think of who so else hard. you would want to like. I'm trying to right. think of what other quarterbacks, like from a season long standpoint, that we would be more excited to roster. No, there aren't right. very many. Borrow probably. I mean, Borrow's one. Lamar, uh, yeah. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Because we're, really we're not going to put Trevor in the same spot as he no, and, last and, year. and Herbert is absolutely. I I don't, I don't know what people were doing Herbert this year, but then he's done. I mean, we can discuss discuss that now. Another injury, mm-hmm. um, and I don't I don't have him listed here, but he was he's sort of left. And Brandon Staley mentioned that he has like a fractured finger, mm-hmm. index finger in his throwing hand. Um, Keenan Allen uh, caught six of twelve targets for sixty eight yards in their loss to the Broncos today. All of Allen's yards, <laughs> I think I think all of them, yeah, came with Easton Stick under center, right, right. right? Uh, and that's just really weird. I think Herbert probably is going to miss a few weeks, potentially. I mean, a few weeks now is what ended the season, right? I think are <laughs> so, they are they eliminated from playoffs or more or less eliminated from playoffs? After uh, I don't know, man. Easton today, Stick just be, well, not 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 officially eliminated, but yeah, but yeah. like without Herbert, without Herbert, like Easton Stick just feels like the white flag, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Like at that point, like if I was Keenan Allen, like why, like why, why go out there like anymore? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is another team that it's been pretty interesting to discuss. Um, you, you know, I think there was a lot of buzz on Quentin Johnson coming in today. He, I don't know, today might be like a career high in yards for him 91 yards. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we dropped him in our Emmy. That's why it happened. <laughs> yeah. Is this, uh, it just took Easton Stick to unlock him, I guess. Is that? Yeah. Uh, is oh that man, that that is just so tough. I mean, how do you, how, how do you go into the season with, uh, like, after drafting Quentin Johnston, and then you see both like Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison like balling yeah. out throughout yeah. like the majority of the season? That that is tough scenes, like right there, dude. And um, everything broke right for Johnston, right? Like, in like the sense, <laughs> like no Palmer unfortunately Mike Will was out they don't re- like Eckler has been hurt and he hasn't been taking his usual like massive target share yeah like how like the run out was perfect for him and yeah. it's just like he it just he like he couldn't do it like he just wasn't ready for it and then from a team building standpoint like I I get it like I know that I know that Herbert has like just a cannon attached to his to his right shoulder and everybody wants him to air it out and like him like throwing bombs to like I think like the moment that uh that Johnston got drafted it was like okay we'll take all of those targets that he was throwing to Jalen Guyton like down the like yeah. down the you know down the field or whatever. Now just put those to Johnston. Look at his college profile, and boom, we're in it. You know, AFC AFC West champions. We're coming for it. Like we're going <laughs> to do this. But it's like, how about we just get a more efficient offense? How about yeah. uh, how about we just get more first downs? Like how about we just do that? And there were like two legitimate wide receivers drafted behind him that could have done exactly that, and would have had, and they would have had the speed to win downfield too. But because Quentin Johnston almost looks like a Mike Williams clone, we just had to do it. <laughs> that's tough. And Mike Williams clone. I don't know if that's a compliment or, or not. Oh, but, my, yeah. Matthew Friedman's a huge Mike Williams guy. Um, uh, I don't know, man. Oh, that was yeah. that was rough. I mean, just, just, it yeah. sucks. It, it it really really sucks that like we were like. The run out for him was so perfect. And then we can't like just one of the many, many players that we're just not going to be able to catch like 
the right process, bad run out. I guess I guess nothing is as bad as a Brees Hall run out, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, like, and since we were just talking about like what we're going to be thinking about these players for next season, I mean, mm-hmm. don't you think he's going to be like one of those guys that's going to get drafted in like, I don't know, he's going to have like a 14th, 15th round, like ADP, like some, somewhere yeah. in there. But then, you know, there's going to be the offseason talk about, you know, Herbert spending more time with him, talking him up. Uh, we'll see a few uh, training camp videos of their connection and you know by i think by august we're going to talk ourselves back into like eighth round quentin johnston because they'll be like oh mike williams is just coming back from an injury he's not going to be ready to go keenan allen's going to be 37 years old who else is going to be you know who else is going to be catching targets from him and we're just we're gonna be right back in it what i will say is that seeing him actually put up you know a decent game albeit kind of in a meaningless game but still seeing him do something anything has me not completely out in like the 14th or 15th round like i'm kind of interested there um but yeah i can definitely see him getting steamed up if there's some if there's some offseason talk do you think that i mean do you think that if he can put together a few games more like this over this next stretch that he could be a be a big riser yeah i think that if he almost goes the same route as like because you know like jonathan mingo has been like quietly you know getting like a bunch of targets over the past two three weeks if he just puts together those types of quiet performances i know like today because it was you know herbert going out it was a must-win game against the broncos divisional opponent like you know playoffs were still in the picture yada 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 I mean, that received like more attention. But now if we're just going to think of the Chargers as this team that's more or less playing for their 2024, uh, you know, hopes, then if we see Johnston like string together, you like 50 yard, getting 60 yards, maybe like, uh, like what was Jamison Williams like stat line from last, like 20 yards and a touchdown <laughs> with that rushing touchdown? Yeah. Even if he yeah. does that, even if yeah. he finds the end zone at some point, I think that will give enough of us hope that, yeah, if he's drafted in like the, mid to early teens if that's going to be his adp for next year i think everybody can talk themselves into that and then if we see some of those highlight camp uh, you know like highlight videos from camp of herbert and just throwing the balls like oh he's got his fingers fine johnston's hands are good let's do this like you know chargers we're back and like i could just see that happening and then it's like oh we're back in the 10th round yeah this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With the holidays just around the corner, many people's thoughts will turn to gift giving and what to get for friends and family. And seeing the joy on people's face as they open those gifts can be a truly wonderful experience. Spending time with family unboxing gifts is always one of my true pleasures of the entire year. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments or treating yourself to a day of complete rest. Remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Early 2023, I began therapy and I started doing it after thinking about it throughout the holiday season. So very much like I'm talking about today, it is the perfect time to start that process. I have found it very beneficial and my plan is to continue it into 2024. It's been very valuable in helping me learning positive coping skills 
and balancing the day-to-day tasks and challenges that I have experienced. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, actually, it's a good thing you brought up Jonathan Mingo because I wanted to discuss this guy, Bryce Young. Today, man, was broadly just the worst i've ever seen like just like he completed 13 of 34 pa- uh, pass attempts for 134 yards he had three rushes for 40 yards right his yards per attempt was below four this is like the sixth time he's been under four yards per pass attempt in a game this season like he was sure he was getting blitzed sure it's a dif- difficult defensive matchup he hasn't shown anything like what are we doing with the panthers next year at all I want no part. I say you that, want no part, right? I, 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 let me take that back <laughs> because it's just coaching has to coaching has to be a factor in in this. And yeah, you, like I think I, y'all have probably seen them, but I know like folks that are listening, they've probably seen like the same clips of if you watch Bryce Young once he gets to his third, fifth, or like the the back of his drops, and you just freeze frame and look at the receivers. There's nobody open. Like there's nobody open. Mm-hmm. Like there's like he's forced into throwing these tight window throws, which has really not been his strength. Stylistically, like he's just not capable. Like that's just not his thing. Mm-hmm. So if almost in the same vein of us, like uh, you know, praising C.J. Stroud and like his ability to, you know, to like that that was wired into Stroud. Like he he's just one of those guys that oh yeah I'll throw that. Like he, like I don't care. Like he can be double covered. Like it do- doesn't even matter. Like Young is not that way. 
and no. like surrounding him with a coaching staff that would allow them in order to work receivers out of bunch formations, uh, you know, more crossing, like whatever the case may be in order to make sure that he has an open lane with an open receiver. Uh, I, they just, I think the personnel just doesn't match the the player. Mm-hmm. I think Stroud with Stroud with DJ Chark and older Adam Thielen and even like Jonathan Mingo coming on, that would make sense for a guy that wants to like huck the ball downfield regardless of who's in coverage. Right. right. That does not suit a guy like Bryce Young, like at least at this point, like in this stage of this development. So I think if they wind up finding a better coaching staff to, to work with them, adjust their personnel a bit obviously keeping Mingo because we're just talking about him and the like in the targets he's been able to earn and like being somewhat productive over the past few weeks I think that I could buy back into Bryce Young as a passer but he just he's one of those guys that needs the he needs like the right environment in order to succeed where it's like kind of clear that Stroud I think even even if they had retained some of like last year's coaching staff like for the Texans I think we would at least seen enough flashes that we've been excited about him but just having you know more or less like 49ers south uh you know like with the texans now i think that that's definitely helped us realize like the the true skill and capability of cj stroud yeah yeah i mean uh, i don't really want to spend too much more time on this team because they're just like they're just non-entities outside of hubbard but yeah um it's just a shame that they moved away a guy who would have potentially been a good stylistic fit in bryce young and dj Moore, right yeah um that would have seems like yeah, it seems like he needs that kind of guy. I wonder if I don't I don't know if they're gonna be able if Carolina is gonna be in a position to really draft a guy like that early. Not now. Mm-hmm. I mean after yeah. the, after the draft capital that they've given up and everything, I don't I don't think they can yeah. do it. I mean, There's just like, no way. Like do they have like what do they have for picks for for next year? I mean they've got let's look. I mean so they don't even have they don't have a first round pick? No, it's Chicago, right? They traded yeah, Chicago. That's, that's Chicago. So it's like they're six. They have their own second through fourth. That's yeah. <laughs> that's tough. You can get a good receiver in the second round, but this team, I think, has but a they lot need of a lot needs. Right? More. They need, like, yeah, they need got, more than that. Like they've, like I mean, like you can see them making a run from one of the one of the receivers in free agency, right? But then, how excited are we to draft Jerry Judy on the Panthers? Right, because I know a lot of people were talking about T going to or going T to Higgins to the Panthers. Yeah, there was talk about him getting traded to the Panthers, like at the at the trade deadline. But because the Panthers didn't have their first, like I didn't think there's any way the Bengals would have done that deal. Yeah, yeah. But it's like so T with uh, with Bryce. Okay, cool. I mean that that definitely moves the needle. Uh, but outside of that, it's like you need both the personnel and the coaching in order to in order to really sell. Right. But not even just like fantasy football, but like real football fans, like real Panthers fans on any sort of hope for 2024. I think real Panthers fans have been pretty disillusioned for a while. Um, yeah, they hate David, know, David Tepper. Like if, if yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I also think that they have they're just not satisfied with the direction the team has gone since moving away from camp. Yeah. Like they, because I, I mean, they're now appreciating what they had in, in, in him. <laughs> Yeah, a little, a little far too little, far too late, fellas. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, here, here's a guy who I actually wanted to get your thoughts on future in the future. Drake London got ten of eleven targets for 172 yards in the Falcons' this week 14 loss. Um. You know, he averaged over seven yards per catch. His longest catch of the day was a 45 yarder. 
He also, I mean, that, that catch also bailed out Ritter from an int. Um, he caught the last bit of the game at the four-yard line, just shy of a go-ahead touchdown as time expired. So I just sort of wanted to get your take. Where are we in on him on Drake London next year? So from an ADP standpoint, I'm assuming he slides back into, where was he this year? Sixth this round? Yeah, like mid-fifth, right? Mid-fifth, yeah, like yeah. yeah, mid-fifth or somewhere around there. I think he slides back just like slightly. I mean, since we're talking up like the Houston guys and, and all of yeah, that, right. I, I could I could see him sliding back maybe a round or so. Uh, but for Ritter personally, like I always thought that he would like him alone, like without like uh, without the with, like independent of the context of his offense. I thought he was a good receiver coming out. Um, I wasn't always like in on the whole like uh, the the Cooper Cup comparisons. Like while I get because you are a relatively lanky like wide receiver, you can work both as like an outside like off the line of scrimmage wide receiver, but also from the interior as well. Uh, your calling card is being able to work uh, like after the catch. I mean, all those things kind of like stylistically, I guess, like fit Cooper Cup. But again, it's just like, all right, well, we're going to start comping people to Cooper Cup. I mean, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, we can, we can, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of tough, like by itself. So I think like London alone, I think he is a, he is a good receiver. I think it's just being paired with a guy like Desmond Ritter. That's what makes it so much more difficult because if your game is timing, if your game is essentially like being at a landmark, running right routes, uh, you need a you need a quarterback that, that can do that, and that's really not Ritter's game, like so, like in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and so, I guess that's what makes me somewhat concerned about his future, because there's all like I think the talk has been, oh well, like after this season, what if we just like stick Justin Fields like in the in the Falcons' offense? I mean, this thing would just go absolutely nuts. Arthur Smith. Uh, all his play designs, having a guy like Justin Fields there, Drake London and all that. But like, I wouldn't even say that's Justin Fields game. Yeah. Justin Fields, like while he's been clicking with uh, with DJ Moore, it's taken what the better part of the season in order for them to get to this point. Right. So even like, I think even the prospects of like Drake London for 23, uh, 23 and beyond it, I think he'll be more of one of those guys that we know the talent is there. Uh, like like him alone I think he like he has been like one of the like he has been a he is a good and efficient wide receiver like full stop but I think his situation will be always the thing that we'll point back to as being the thing that drags him down it was um I don't know if surprising is the right word but kind of I mean well yeah surprising to see Atlanta even throw the ball 40 times and get targets to their top guys something we've been kind of screaming for the whole season and finally uh they deliver in week 14 is this uh maybe hard to even tell but do you think this is a trend that could continue at least for the end of the season and going forward i mean obviously um if the falcons lose some more they're probably making some some personnel changes or one would almost hope but um, yeah that that'd be my assume my assumption is that it's just going to continue i mean unless unless they just wholesale and this one be until after the end of this season, unless they, unless they make like a concerted effort at changing their, uh, changing their, their quarterback doesn't have to be anything like schematically like different. It's just that you just need a better quarterback under center. Like Ritter is just not going to be that dude. And so for a guy like London, like that's what has to be that, that has to be the type of quarterback or he has to have a better type of quarterback under center in order for him to really excel. 
Desmond Ritter is, I mean, it always goes back to the one tweet I saw on draft night of him, which is someone said that he looks like he flew planes in World War II. And that's how I knew he was going to suck. <laughs> that's so perfect, too. He oh, my looked. gosh. Now I got to look at you gotta you gotta look it up, man, because it's the funny it's like just someone like just offhandedly tweeted it and just like colored is, my entire perception of him for his entire that career. Is perfect, because now I'm looking at this picture of him and that's all I see you now. See, that's all you see <laughs> now, right? That's, that's all I see is just this <laughs> battle hardened man. Oh my goodness. That's so dude, perfect. he looks like he's sixty-three years old he in that does. picture. <laughs> just this old man that he's is he's got like um, all the lines and everything. It's like yeah. crazy. Um, so yeah, so, so you guys got to look that picture up and then have it color your perception because man, it's a tough one. Um, Blair, you want to talk about the next rookie wide receiver here on our sheet? Uh, someone near and dear to your heart? Who is Flowers? He's pretty near uh, and dear to my heart. Um, yeah, six of 10 targets, caught 60 yards and a touchdown in the, in the Ravens win. Um, obviously big, big win for Baltimore today. Flowers has looked looked pretty good, I think, the whole season. Uh, man, he's another guy who, for me anyway, is tough to figure out where he might go next season. Obviously, you have Mark Andrews coming back, probably healthy, but Flowers looked pretty good with him uh, even on the field. So, yeah, um, where are you comfortable taking him next year? If I had to think about it, early seventh. Huh. On Zay Flowers? Yeah, I think an early seventh trying to think of how many other like wide receivers i'd like because i think let's say assuming like uh I- i'm guessing kirk cousins is still with the vikings next year so i'm yeah that, that's we, we can begin to assume that yeah so like i'm thinking i want i still want addison like over him yeah i think i think i still want addison over so it's just like and we're talking about like the the texans guys and yada 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 so yeah, i think right. like i think early i think Early seventh is probably about like I'm. That's just the the starting point like for me because it's just like mm-hmm. Mark Andrews will be back. He'll still be there in the like the second third round or or whatever. Lamar doing his thing. I know that Odo Beckham is not going to be a part of the team uh, in like 2024. At least I'm assuming that he's not. But it's just that it is somewhat concerning that uh, not to say it was a quick transition. But we have seen over the past like two to three weeks, especially once like Odell got healthy, leading in air yards, leading in targets per route run. Uh, I mean, that was that was that's something of a concern. And if the Ravens do wind up drafting a wide receiver or or even picking up another wide receiver in free agency, I think that would at least create enough uncertainty that that's where my risk tolerance would have me wanting to draft him at just to see yeah. what this offense looks like with yet another, either a veteran wide receiver or like whomever they wind up drafting. Like if they get like a solid day two guy, I mean, do we, is, is it then like, is there enough like uncertainty in that, in that passing game that it's just like say flowers was good. I mean, highly efficient, like for, for a rookie wide receiver, but is it something that we should now bank on, uh, especially given like the Mar Jackson's tendencies to at least still be like a runner, uh, a runner of the football and passer of the football. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I mean, my initial thought was that he'd be going quite a bit earlier, but you know, you know, thinking about someone who's going to be the wide receiver one on an offense that's going to score a lot of points, or maybe wide receiver one. I mean, that kind of remains to be seen. But um, he's kind of been operating in that in that uh, role 
already to an extent, except for over the last few weeks when Beckham's come on. So, yeah, you don't necessarily see, I don't know, like 1,200-yard upside that easily for Flowers next season. So it does become difficult to bump him up too high. Um, yeah. But He had an octopus today, which is kind of cool. That's where, that's where he scored a touchdown. He scored a touchdown and also got the two-point conversion, so eight points. Oh, nice. Right. Very nice. Okay. That's a that's a, that's a fun little thing I saw like yeah. all over Twitter, and I was like, I'm going to steal that because that's such a cute thing to say. <laughs> yeah, at Octopus Day. I dig it. Uh, my sense is that if Flowers, you know, coming off the rookie season he's had, if he's going in the seventh, he might be my highest-owned player. But <laughs> um Maybe not. I'll have to rethink that when we see who else is who else is going in that range. Because there are a lot of guys who who I want to move up higher. Addison, you named one. So um Yeah, Addison yeah. is one. It's just it's really tough to do this because when you see all the other wide receivers who are coming out as well out of college, right. right. And then also the dearth at running back, it's just gonna yeah. be a like I really don't like looking at foot the potential future ADPs like landscape looks like it's i i really think that um your seventh round on on say feels right you know what i mean yeah it well it feels right but then at the same time it's just we'll we'll think about like how explosive he was like during the first month of the season uh like whether beckham's there or not uh if there's a way that he can now ascend like in his second year get out like bring on some more targets uh, so I guess it's it is I think it will be a, a fun debate to have to see like what what that offense or at least what the passing game core is going to look like from a personnel standpoint like over the next season. So I think that's where you can start to make cases for or against say Flowers because like if Beckham comes back and wants to let's say they don't make it to the Super Bowl but Beckham would like wants to give it another go or whatever the team wants to bring him back then okay fine you can talk yourself into Beckham's another year older Flowers has another year in the system with Lamar okay maybe Flowers just takes over throughout the end of the year Flowers should be like a you know a fifth rounder so, something right. like that I can right. see that argument uh who else did we want to touch on today um let's uh you want you want to talk about him Diggs Stefan Diggs yeah. Four of eleven for twenty-four yards. Um, I mean, I think now, this is not what happened, man. Not, not something necessarily to be concerned about long term for Diggs, right? But it is definitely disappointing. Week fourteen, FFPC championship weeks. I'm sure that yeah. was a that was a big blow could, for a lot of teams. Could mm-hmm. you pull up the stat explorer for Diggs? Because it feels this has mm-hmm. been more so the the norm over the last five or so weeks. I can't remember if he got if he picked up an injury somewhere along the line though. Not that I know of. Um, but yeah, you are right that it has been something of a like a downtrend for for him. I think he's been uh, like lower in air yards. Um, actually, I can pull up. Let me pull up True Media like right now. Uh, and if anybody could ever get access to like a true media account, this thing is like the freaking matrix. They just got like so much stuff. They got so much data in this. Uh, so let's see. Last last few weeks. So actually he did have, even today, uh, 30.6% target share like for, for digs, 11 targets. 11 targets, 11 targets, 8 targets. Um, air yards were around like 22, 23%. But then today it was just over 30 
I think the problem for him uh, is that it's not a, it's not as a, con a condensed of a target tree like as it used to be. I mean, it was like Diggs Davis, right? With Davis kind of doing his almost like MBS like stuff, where it's like you'll get the deep pass, he might drop one like here and there. But now you've got Diggs, you've got Davis, you've got Shakir, you've got Kincaid, Knox is back, Cook also getting targets out of the backfield. I think the the competition, like while I, like I hate using the uh, like the phrase like too many mouths to feed like Josh Allen now has legitimate like too many mouths to feed and with yeah. Allen doing Allen things like once they get into the red zone like that that does become problematic for a guy like Diggs who has like well I think he'll always have the targets but I think the production and like those days of him going like I don't know 10 for 100 and like two mm -hmm. I think those those might be gone with just more more guys available for for Allen and yeah, that just that just feels it feels bad. It feels sad, you know, because like, uh, yeah, because like, look, look at those first, look at those first six weeks, man. Yeah, those uh, are the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> we were so young then, man. We were like, so young then. Right, because it was just, it really was just like him. We didn't like everybody was asking like when, when, when was when we're gonna see Dalton Kincaid because him and Dawson Knox they were running what like two tight end sets like throughout like the first like four five six weeks and trying to figure that out james cook was still battling with latavius murray and damian harris when harris was still healthy so it, like cook wasn't earning a ton of targets so it was like really the most of the passing game was still going to to steph diggs i mean because they didn't nobody else was earning targets nobody else was running enough routes in order for them to be relevant from a fantasy standpoint yeah. but oh then knox goes out so then that gives us kincaid they uh you know harris gets trucked and so he goes on on ir so that gives us cook and then shakir comes on because well of course i mean like why not add a third guy to it so now you get those splash plays to shakir every now and again and deontay like, hardy yeah. and deontay hardy so it's just like, like it's just like just little by little each one of these guys has popped up out of the woodwork yeah. to take away from Diggs. Yeah, you can kind of see in in what I just pulled up how his air yards have just kind of ah, a nosedive in the last. That's tough. Yeah, five weeks basically. This doesn't yeah. have this week in it yet, but but yeah, it's that's um, a disastrous chart to look at, man. I don't know if yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's just like you said. You have all these other guys popping up and taking taking over roles that would have been his otherwise when they weren't there or if um there's something schematic going on that's that's changing but definitely um there's uh something that uh is a little concerning about about his usage for sure so yeah i would i would be concerned i mean especially considering he's you know he's getting older he's 28 20, 20 well, i think he might be turning 20, 30 almost. is he turning 30 i read if he's 20 or 29 and he's, he's like, 30 He's, he's just already 30. 30. Yeah, okay, he just yeah. 30. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like maybe not to say that they're going away from him. Obviously, the dude just had like 11 targets today. But planning for, for life after digs, I mean, that you know, that has to be on, on Buffalo's mind at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, before we get out of here, I did want to ask one of these questions in the chat. What type of beer is Chris brewing up during this time of year? <laughs> Uh, what are your favorite styles to drink during this time of year? And uh, what are you brewing? Uh, so I actually do have a, this is like, I'm like super late to the ball game, but I do have a pumpkin ale that I've, I've been working on every year. I try and brew one. Uh, so I actually use uh, like 
pumpkin, like pumpkin meat, like canned pumpkin, like in the mash in order to impart like the pumpkin flavor to it, along with like cinnamon, allspice and a few other things uh, in order to like give it that almost like a, you know, Thanksgiving day like type feel to it. But like I was like two, three weeks past it still works, though, for, for right now. Yeah. Uh, but my other uh, my other preferred uh, style around this this time of year as our winter warmers, I just I cannot do like porters, coffee stouts. I mean, the beers that just like are super thick. You drink one and like you feel like you need to go to bed afterwards. That's just not for me. It's that's just that, <laughs> not, like, no hate. Like I'm not going to yuck somebody else's yum, but it's just that's just that's just not me. Uh, but uh, like winter warmers, I think are at least like a fine enough uh like compromise where you are getting a lot of those like same like holiday like type flavors uh you know the people add in like, pretty much like whatever you want like from a spice and like flavoring standpoint and uh like that i think those are more like just fun i like making seasonal beers and uh, i think a winter warmer kind of fits into that winter warmers like pumpkin ales i mean those types of things like that's that's like typically my go-to this time of year before then i just like uh, before we get to like the Marches time frame, and then I'm back on my, you know, everybody should drink like hazy IPAs, and I just go on that, you know, that that, that tirade, <laughs> and just you know, just turn into a beer snob again. Everybody should be drinking hazy IPAs, though, for real. Those um, IPAs all year round, if you ask me. Uh, those are uh, those are the best. Uh, yeah, if anybody's down in, um, if you're ever in Cincinnati uh street side brewery uh like close to like downtown cincinnati i think they're in otr over the rhine um god uh so let's see street side i need to look up the name of it it's street side brewery uh milk there's they have a milkshake ipa man like what is the name of just two dudes being bros i think is the that might be it um man there's another one that was like a kid in a candy shop that's what it's called and uh, if you look up the the can art for it, because I'm an, I'm an absolute sucker for can art. I mean, your <laughs> beer could taste like absolute piss water, but as long as like the can like it actually looks pretty cool, you'll get me for a six pack every single time. <laughs> uh, but like Kid in the Candy Shop, like by Streetside Brewery, is actually one of my favorite like milkshake IPAs that I've had in quite some time. Uh, but yeah, like I'll I'll be drinking those from like the moment that we start seeing the sun here in Ohio until like and probably until like October November of next year. Yeah, we've we're spoiled for choice. I'm hoping to find these guys in my local beer store. If you see any uh, anything from, um, if you see a uh, tart shake from Cinderlands at all out in Cincy, I would uh, recommend anything that's got that or anything from Dancing Gnome that is a hazy IPA. Uh, back when dancing, yeah, back when back when Dancing Gnome first started, they were exclusively a hazy IPA. Oh, okay. Um, and they won like microbrewery of the year, like in the U.S. Times. And then for like two years, I couldn't get in. Like, just, like I just couldn't get into the like the brewery. Yeah. Like they like they like the releases were sold out. Like there were guys from like New York showing up to buy like eight to ten cases, and I'm like, I just want a four pack, bro. Yeah. And you, <laughs> yeah. And you just leave me one, and they're like, sorry, we drove all this way, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> um, they branched out to the other styles that are just nowhere as good as your hazy ipa product um yeah. if i if i can get my hands on some i'll actually probably send it to you oh i would i would pay you handsomely for it so you just yeah, send it my way i'll take there it. there were uh i ran into some people who'd moved back who'd moved back to pittsburgh from vermont and the tap room and i was like what do you think and they were like yeah this is like very much like a heady topper and mm -hmm. i'm like yeah 
um and they were like uh they're like yeah and they were like yeah and i was like yeah you should try some of their some of their other stuff they've they've got some cool ones they've got they've started getting into colches okay. but they've got a, they've got they've uh, it's just the hazy ipas are where it's at and there's one that yeah. there's a couple that i know that they do are really good if there's any particular hop that you like are you more particular to simcoe or anything um, just let me know. i brewed uh typically i brew with uh mosaic galaxy mosaic. citra like those are my three go-to's like whenever i'm doing citra it, and know. galaxy yep okay yep. The, 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 one of their best beers that they do is called a mosaic jam ipa and it's phenomenal and they don't so, have it on they don't have it for for purchase right now but oh, oh i'd definitely try that yeah i think those uh there's one uh, uh thing it's called azaka i think that's an australian uh hop i get that one every now and again uh but i think yeah like uh, galena uh like galena galaxy mosaic citra I think those off the top of my head, uh, those are like the like my my go tos whenever I'm doing a hazy IPA. Nice, nice. We should pivot this to a beer podcast, man. Like- <laughs> oh man, I could go off on that like just just all day long. A friend about a buddy of mine uh, who he owns uh, the brew store on the south south end of of Dayton. Like we do a show like uh, once every week, once every other week, and just talk about like different beer styles and and all that. What we're brewing, different equipment that's coming out, and just nerd ab- nerd out about the about some of the things. And uh, whenever we go to competitions, like we talk about just like the different things that we you know talking with other brewers like from around the area. Um, like one guy that we know. Uh, he lives in like Middletown, which is maybe like a half hour-ish, uh, like uh, south of where I'm at. Uh, I think he's put about just short of 10K uh, into his home brewing system. Wow. And just, just like all like just stainless steel pumps for everything. I mean, almost like zero manual labor like goes into like brewing beer for him at this point. It's just like load the grains and then just set your temperatures and like whatever profile that you want to hit. Uh, and then he just lets it go. And then like afterwards, like he'll just have like fermented alcohol, uh, you know, like a week or so later. I, all, the, the only thing he has to do, I think, is just add his yeast like after he's oh. done. And, th- and that's it. I was like, dude, that's sick. Like he's just a retired guy that just like loves the hobby. And uh, like every year he just like buys like a new gadget or like adds this or takes that off or, you know, whatever uh, in order to like make it less and less like like he did like less human involvement like every single year and I was like man one of one of these days I would just love to be able to get into that hmm. yeah do you uh do you brew alone or you do do it with other people uh mostly alone because it's just you're uh it's like five it's like now I've got it to about like five and a half uh, six hours for for a brew day Whereas right. like when I first started, it would like take like an entire, like the, an entire day yeah. Uh, yeah. to get like in order for me to get through everything. Um, but it's just like finding the time to do it. Uh, and now that I have an electric system, I can legitimately like do it in my office. Uh, actually oh, like my, nice. uh, I have a, I haven't the, like the version two mash and boil, uh, which is like an electric system. It's actually sitting like six feet, like that way, like from me. And I can, I could have it brewing like right now if I wanted to. It's so work. It's like an induction burner or something. Yeah, and it has just a like a a temperature controller, like a a temperature probe, like down at the bottom to measure what your what your work is going to be at, and then you just have to add your water and grains with a false bottom. And so, like after you steep your grains, you can just pull the grains and stuff out, let all the uh, all the sugars that you've collected drop out, and then afterwards you just 
add your hops into it and like go through that cycle. And after that, like you're, you're pretty much done. It is just so much simpler than the, like I built my first, uh, like my first home brewing setup where it was like, you just buy one of those uh, coolers yep. from like Home Depot or whatever, have like the, the, the braid, uh, like a, uh, was it the stainless steel braid, like down at the bottom and just like, uh, my, I, I put probably like a hundred bucks into, into like my first setup and then bought that for maybe like a hundred dollars more. And just like the work is just like, it's so much simpler. Yeah. I don't have to worry about like temperature controlling and like all the, all these other things that I was just freaking out about when I first started. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would recommend, I would still recommend people just going that route and just buying a basic kit that you can get from like, you can just buy it on Amazon if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but just to get started, learn the science, make mistakes. Uh, like, cause I made, I've made so many of them. Uh, but it's just like, I think learning the process and figuring out like what not to do. I think that will inform how you should do things once you get to the more, once you start like getting into a range where you're more comfortable with the more sophisticated systems. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I used to brew. It's been probably like 10 or 12 years since, since I did it last. I should. I was doing it with a buddy and I can't imagine having to like do all the stuff by myself and still have fun at it. Yeah. But, uh, Going to competitions, I think, helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we, so we go to every one. It's down in Cincinnati, like every year. Uh, I didn't win this year. I won for IPAs last year. Nice. Uh, and then the uh, my friend Joey, uh, like he was, uh, he got um, second best in show. I think for it was he like a Trappist ale. I forget which style. Oh wow. Last year. Uh, that's a, like that's, that's a that's a that's a rare that's a rare style. Yeah. And like, that's one of the ones that it's like, if you like, you have to be like technically on point as a, as a brewer in order to score really well, like for a style like that. So it was like, yeah. it was really impressive that he, that he scored so well. Um, Cause I think uh, using the BJCP guidelines, the highest score you can get is a 50. Uh, I think I scored, I think my score for my last, for my beer last year was like 42, 43. I think he had like a 45. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it was insane. Like he did such a, such a good job with that one. Uh, but yeah, I think just being able to hang out with other brewers, like every now and again, just makes it like all the more fun because you get to hang out with other people that are nerding out about the same stuff that you are, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Right. Totally. Awesome. All right. Any uh, any other late breaking stuff we need to touch on before we get out of here? From what I'm gathering, this game sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's a shame the Eagles have gone from looking like shoe-ins to just you know just a complete non-entity of a team right now. Yeah, this is it. It, it, it just feels like the roller coaster the Niners were also on, right? Like where the Niners had like a three-game stretch where it looked like absolute garbage. Yeah, and then they've and then they, then now they look at the best team in the NFC. Yeah, uh, Eagles are on the on the downslope right now, and they've got a very easy schedule. Yeah, that's it's going to the season. Yeah. yeah, I want to get you. So before we head out, we we need to have we need to have discourse, uh, and I'm pretty sure I, I know what you guys' answer is going to be. But Brock Purdy MVP, yes or no? Mm, no. Yes. <laughs> so, so I think that like like that's I think for me right now I think Purdy's probably the front runner, mm-hmm. um, but I think Lamar should also be up there if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think I think it's Purdy, Lamar, probably Dak, and then mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. I think those are your four MVP candidates, and I think yeah. I think if Tyreek breaks two K, should he get it? 
<laughs> man i i'm actually i'm actually all for a non-qb getting mvp right now like i mean like Tyreek would like that would be cool like Tyreek, like 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 Diggs did a lot for josh allen when he joined right like sure. our perception of allen our perception of tua it's true would not be anywhere close to where it is now if it had not been for Tyreek. Yeah, I don't think Jalen Waddle is like is doing enough in order to make no. us think about that offense the way that it, like Tyreek's done for it. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just like I think I think realistically like I want Tyreek to get it just because I just want to see a non like like if he can't get it at the, after the season right mm-hmm. or if CMC couldn't get it after a two K two K season like none of these guys are ever gonna get it you know and it's right and, and like it's so frustrating for that to happen or oh, sorry CMC was one K one K. Right, and if right, Tyreek yeah. and if and if Tyreek breaks two K, then it's like it's still like what like what does a skill player have to do? Right, because yeah. I think what was it the what last season was it last season when when Jay Jettis like got what nineteen hundred? I think he got yeah. like, what, a vote. Like, yeah, yeah, like one, one even on a like it, it didn't even feel like he was on the radar. Right. Yeah, and like what he did is like it was insane. Right. Like I don't think people like appreciate appreciate that right and so that's where i'm i'm with you hassan like i i almost i want it to be a non-qb thing because if it's just if it's not going to be a non-qb this year uh and like in and hill breaks 2k and if it's not going to be a non-qb this year when we have so many questions about all right well if dak is playing well but it's like he hasn't played well the entire season he needed this run and like whatever uh purdy purdy's played well Two, but how do you separate his production from having all those weapons around him? And there are yeah. legitimate questions you can ask about, like all of the quarterbacks that are going to be up for this award. Maybe outside of Lamar, because we've seen Lamar do, at least be a good quarterback before, just not in this way. So if there is ever going to be a year that a non-QB like should be up for the MVP, I, I think this should be the year. Yeah, yeah, that makes it's- sense. This is I don't know, man. Like I, I, I would love for for Tyreek to win it. Yeah, just because awesome. Like I think you, I think it would be. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, the more you're right. I think I think realistically, like his biggest competition right now is Dak, right? Like especially because it looks yeah. like the Cowboys are gonna win today, mm-hmm. and they're gonna. But like it doesn't look like they necessarily have needed Dak to do much. Like, yeah, like 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 Dak sitting on um at the half, he's got fourteen or twenty three completions, hundred fifty seven yards, two scores. Um, CD the toss to CD and toss to Gallup, but like, I don't know, man. Dax looked awesome, but like, I think what Hale's done has been even better. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's just all the more impressive for a receiver at like, honestly, a receiver at his age. Yeah, and, and to be this efficient, like, over is he still over four yards per out run? I think so. Which I think, I think, yeah, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's like breaking math there. Yeah, because we would just assume anybody over two is good, and he's double that. Right. Yeah, and and like and like uh, and they just just so people like could you could you pull up our advanced stats? Uh, do we have targets per route run there? Yeah, we do. Yeah, if you just pull that up, just so people like so we can actually give a visual to the people. Um, sorry, we, we're going a little long here, but. Oh, we're talking about good stuff. I mean, I, we actually is, have it the in the uh, yeah. stealing signals tool, which is kind of a little bit of a collaboration with Ben Bretch. So this is the stealing signals tool, which you can see wide yeah. receiver tight end. Yeah, that just there it is the TPPR, right? 
filter by uh, team, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Tyreek Hill at 4.4 yards per route run. Could you just percent targets per route run? Could you could you filter it by like everybody like all the all the teams? Yeah. Yeah, and then just targets per route, and then just filter by targets per route run. Yeah. Um, we could take some of these guys and take some of the run. Yeah, just the table's probably broke breaking, right? Ty Montgomery, come on. Uh, yeah. minimum no, rounds a hundred. Yeah. There you go. I mean yeah. Like holy smoke! Like forty percent. I mean, just and... just dwarfing the other guys we would consider. Yeah, and these are none the of these guys are slouches, right? Like, like that's just ridiculous. Mean, that's like ridiculous. That's that's MVP. That's most. Yeah. I mean, that that has to be it. To me, yeah. that that just stand like that that just blows. If you're blowing away like the just the best of the best at at your, at your position, I mean, just unequivocally. I mean, to me, that that just screams MVP. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. really frustrating because like none of these quarterbacks have really you know truly separated right. Because like, I mean, like just to just, just to just to put a, a hypothetical out there, not saying this will happen. I, we just kicked off the third quarter. If the Eagles come back and beat the Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're probably going to say Hurts is the best quarterback for MVP, right? Right. Like we're back to that discussion. Whereas with like <laughs> yes. Tyree Kill, yeah. we don't have another. We don't have somebody else. To, like we don't. We don't have a. <laughs> his that's competition a, is. That's like, a funny way to think about it because yeah, it almost feels like every week, like the the narrative yeah. will change based off of the results oh, because well, yeah, it was like after yeah. after Purdy went on, you know, their three game win streak. It was like oh, Purdy has to be up at the top. And to your point, Hassan, if if like Hertz were to come back tonight, it would be like Hertz like is now at the, at the top, despite them just getting plowed by the 49ers last week. Yeah. But, uh, but it's just like Tyreek, there's nothing he can do to change the narrative. Like there's no, like he has to continue doing this like every week. There is no like he can't have a game off. Like he that's, can't. And have, that's so ridiculous. Like, yeah. Like he can't he can't go out and have like a 50 yard game and then come back and have like another one of his you know 125 150 yard games and everyone would be like oh Tyreek is back in the you know, he's back at the top of yeah. the MVP count like he just has to keep doing this yeah every and this, single week that, that's why he's been playing through like an injury too like he picked up an ankle injury and he's been like fighting yeah. to stay like to stay in the game yeah he probably yeah. knows that unless like he has to do this or else there's just no way for him to even get considered Whereas with quarterbacks, it's just every week, depending on the narrative around like your quality of win or like your loss or whatever, that will just instantly sway like how people like even just from a betting market standpoint, you've just seen like each week, Purdy's yeah. odds have just like just every week. I, I mean, everybody's odds like when when they're gonna reopen again. Like I think Purdy's gonna be. Uh, I think it'll open with like Purdy and Dak as like co-favorites, or like if Hertz does it, then he's gonna be like an actual favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just gonna yeah. be like it's just. It just it just feels like I don't know, and I know I know Matthew Friedman said this before, but it really is like a narrative driven award, and it's just so frustrating that like they're not willing to focus on a non quarterback position for once. Like I mean, yeah. I, I mean I was <laughs> I was actually laughing about the Heisman thing when when like Ian Hartitz tweeted uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was robbed of the Heisman. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like. Yeah, He's kind of right in the sense because, like, I yeah. mean, what, what what Marvin Harrison Jr. did for Bryce State is uh, what he's done for like three years for them is just yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Well, uh, yeah, on that note, say we call it a night. Uh, Chris, you want to tell the people where they can find you and all Absolutely. your stuff? Yeah, no, first off, I mean, thanks, fellas, for having me on. I mean, it's dope being able to come on here and talk talk ball with you guys for an hour. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. Uh, all of my writing is over at the Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. I'll be doing the waiver column, doing uh, shows with Ian Harditz and Dwayne McFarlane, Matchups Podcast. And, of course, I still do the FFWX in my Twitter handle, still doing stuff about weather. actually wrote up the Baltimore game are for the Baltimore game and also the Jets Texans game for today. And if you'd seen that, I would have been like, Hey, just play all the core plays. Don't try and get cute with your roster. So if you had Lamar on your team, you should have been starting Lamar even wrote up a guy like Oda Beckham being somebody that you should have continued holding on to something like that. My stance has always been most of the stuff gets overblown. Don't panic. Just play the guys that you think are at least in the right situation, break ties in favor of other guys that have similar opportunity, but in better game environments, that sort of thing. That's always been my stance. But either way, you can find me on Twitter, Chris Allen, FFWX. Any questions at all, come hit me up. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out Chris's work. Uh, lots of great advice there. Help you win some of these matchups. And uh, so, yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And uh, we will talk at you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.